0: Each week, Richard and Father Mark present a rigorous discussion of the Bible in a format short enough for your morning commute, but long enough to be substantive, posing difficult
1: questions meant to keep you engaged. Over 24,000 episodes are downloaded each month at no charge. Please consider marking your level of support with a one-time donation or by pledging a small amount per episode. To learn more, please visit patreon.com
0: forward slash Bible. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. .com/bible. Thank you. Hi, this is Father Mark Poulos with the Bible as Literature podcast. The key to understanding any idea, statement or position is to examine its premise. What underlying assumptions must be made for an idea to make sense? What motivations drive these assumptions? Once you are able to examine an argument in this way, even the most clever intellectuals are quickly put to shame. No matter how sophisticated the theology of the elite in Roman Corinth, because their assumptions were predicated on human principles, nothing they said could ever pass muster with Paul, and everything they did caused division in the church. Why? Because from the Bible's point of view, if it's a human word, it is naturally selfish. So what is an apostle to do? Take a stand against all sides and do so at your own expense. Richard and I discuss 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You're listening to the Bible as Literature. Hi. This is Father Mark Bulos, And this is Dr. Richard Benton. And you are listening to episode 115 of the Bible as Literature podcast. These past few chapters, we have hammered the point of hierarchy. You could easily walk away from last week's episode saying, Father Mark and Richard are saying that St. Paul is for male authority and patriarchy. And that is not what we are saying. That is not what the text is saying. It's much more nuanced than that.
1: The point in looking at last week again is not that man is over woman, but that everyone is under authority. He starts off the section by saying that Jesus is under the authority of God. This is what is important is that we set up as our Messiah, as our King, one under authority. So if the one whom we follow as our Lord is one under authority, to God alone, to God himself, but one under authority, and our father is Paul, who is one under authority, and Timothy, who is one under authority, why then would anyone get hung up on the fact that I'm under authority? We set this up as the ideal. Because,
0: as we've said, culturally, people don't want to be accountable. They don't want to be uncomfortable. They don't want to be offended. They don't want to be under pressure. But that's the function of authority. It's part of what it means to be a human being. All Scripture is doing is saying, let's put authority where it belongs, in the hands of the scroll. Because no one, not even the head, has the right to impose anything. The scroll doesn't impose anything. The scroll doesn't tell you who you are or what you should be. The scroll says... Once you land wherever it is you're going to land, which is your problem, this is how you should conduct yourself. And whether you're a prostitute or a patrician, you can conduct yourself correctly according to this teaching.
1: Well, there's this deep irony that oftentimes people who are against hierarchy are very much about imposing their view of no hierarchy. You shouldn't believe in hierarchy. Don't believe in hierarchy. I'm telling you, don't believe in hierarchy. Do what you want. Listen to me. Do what you want. But I thought we were equals. Why are you telling me what to do? This is the irony of this. The same way as we have irony when someone says that anyone can choose what gender they are. It's only a social construction. Say, you can only be this race or that race. How does this make sense? Who are these people sitting on high who are determining how you are allowed to say what your identity is? We should all be able to decide our identity. But you may not decide your identity is this. But, Father Mark,
0: can't we have a discussion as peers? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. If someone is speaking, they are either wasting your time or they are teaching. And if they are teaching, you put yourself under them. It's a very serious matter. If you do not put yourself under the one who is teaching, there's no possibility for understanding. That's why Paul says you have many teachers but not many fathers. You can put yourself under anyone, even someone you disagree with. It doesn't make them your father. But if they're speaking and they are conveying information, you are in the position of subservience in that moment. It's functional. You can choose to disregard it, but don't tell me you're equals. Because if you're equals, then you're just two wizards from the Lord of the Rings throwing lightning bolts at each other, and that's what you have on Fox News. Is that what you want in the churches? Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. Epdermatikos, which is referring to spiritual things, things that pertain to the spirit of God, which is the content of Paul's letter, the spirit that is to animate how you act. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols.
1: The idol's inability to do anything is expressed as mute. They do not provide a word. Without the word, then they're simply a reflection of your ego. Because they're not telling you something that's different than what you're hearing. What people do today is go on to the news and they read the thing that confirms what they already understand. They're not listening to the word, they're imposing a word. And so the problem with the idols that you went astray with is that they didn't teach you a word. They didn't have a word that went against your ego. They were simply reflections of your own ego and a creation of your own hands.
0: Therefore I made known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit, and here, Paul has said both statements in his letters, because when he talks about Jesus being accursed, he's dealing with Deuteronomy, and when he talks about Jesus being Lord, he's dealing with the Kyrios and the Septuagint. But Paul is saying, who are you to judge whether he's the accursed of Deuteronomy or the Kyrios of the Psalms? You can't say, because you don't know what you're talking about. I saw that man Jesus, and I had a feeling about him. I think he's Lord. What are you talking about? This is how people talk when they come to church. I feel the Spirit is here. Well, if you can feel the Spirit, why are you coming here? Jesus
1: is Lord. See, I have the Holy Spirit.
0: You're making yourself the judge. That's
1: the point. This is the problem because you are only able to perform the actions of God according to his teaching if his spirit is in you. This is how spirit functions. Spirit is the thing that animates you. Spirit is the thing that makes you act in a certain way. If you have a spirit of the devil, you act in devilish ways. If you have the spirit of God, you act in godly ways. Now, you can change spirits. In Hosea, they all say, we betrayed you, we loved you. And God says, your love is like the dew on the leaf. Once the sun gets warm, it's not there anymore. So just because by the Holy Spirit you say Jesus is Lord, doesn't mean that from now on, all of your actions are gonna be of the Spirit of the Lord. Once you say Jesus is Lord, Every single word, every single action is a judgment against you. And instead of this being a blessing that you say this, it now becomes a curse because now you are contradicting the spirit of the Lord.
0: You shouldn't say, of your own opinion, Jesus is Lord. If it's written in the text, read it out loud if that's your duty in the assembly. If you're teaching, read it out loud. But don't say, I think Jesus is Lord, because what you think is not germane what you think is immaterial. Because if we are dealing with what you think about Jesus, we are not dealing with the scriptural Jesus, we're dealing with the statue in your head, which Paul is explaining is a mute idol that's gonna lead everyone astray according to your hormones or your personal agenda, no matter how good your intentions are.
1: And we know that this happens all the time. This happened when the people came out of slavery in Exodus. And they created an idol and said, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. People create idols and ascribe things to it. Clearly. But it doesn't make it now God.
0: The only reason people refuse to hear this when they hear 1 Corinthians is because they can't let go of the Jesus they invent in their heads. They cannot. That is why, and I explain this in my book, the Romans accuse the Christians of being the first atheists. Because if what the Bible is saying is correct the gods the romans have in their head and in their depictions are not gods of course they considered the christians atheists because not only did the christians emasculate the gods they worshiped but they presented a non-god an anti-idol as their god what paul is doing is saying that for you jesus is no different than zeus you made him up again we use this word ontology all the time you want to say that a spiritual thing is a thing and paul is linking it to function he links it to modes of behavior how things operate what fruit they manifest that is why a prostitute can be righteous as a prostitute and a priest can be a harlot because it's not about what a thing is or who a person is it's about what they manifest what gifts do they manifest of which spirit Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries, and the same Lord, which is what he's been saying all along about household order. That at the end of the day, even though you have to take orders from the Economos, who takes orders from the Patrician, who takes orders from Jesus, who takes orders from God the Father, etc., All of you, at the end of the day, have one Lord, which is God the Father.
1: Right, everyone has a different role to play. Everyone has a different task. And you're not allowed to say, certain tasks are of the Lord, and certain gifts are from the Spirit. No, they're the ones that come from the Lord. The Lord is the one who divvies them up. You aren't allowed to say, these count and those don't count these are preferable and those are preferable. We do this, but they need to do that because this is always what happens. Remember, Paul is trying to keep the assembly united, but the first thing that divides the community is when one side says, those people should be doing X, Y, and Z. That's the beginning of the end. When people say, those people should be doing that.
0: There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons Once again, you have to make sure you understand that everybody is under one head. He's insisting on the headship of God in the content of the scroll. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. This is a very important phrase in Pauline literature. That ultimately, household order is set up not for your good, but for everyone's good. Which is why whatever your station is, you have to accept it. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit. So, some are wise in their dealings in the community because of the content of the Gospel. Others are able to convey knowledge according to the content of the Gospel. Others manifest trust in God through the content of the Gospel to another gifts of healing by the one spirit. Some people are able to minister to others, to nurse them back to health according to the content of the gospel or through the content of the gospel.
1: We have to be clear which point of view we're coming from. And this I think is the toughest thing is because people want to have it cut and dry, but it's not cut and dry because it completely depends on the perspective. From the top, the Lord is able to order things however he wants. You are going to be the choir conductor you're going to be a singer in the choir. No,
0: I want to be clear that when Richard says the Lord is going to order things as he wants, we are not saying that Jesus is coming to church Sunday to tell the choir what hymn to sing, <laughs> just let's be clear. <laughs> right. But there is someone telling you what hymn to sing.
1: As part of the assembly, you have to submit to the common good. You can't say, I'm going to leave the community because I want the communion and I don't like the priest. I can't say, I want to continue to speak in tongues And have people listen to me, but I don't want to listen to the one who's speaking wisdom. You are not allowed to take one or the other. This is the problem with the idol in the wilderness, is that they wanted a God that they could carry around and make say what they want him to say, rather than submit. It's the submission. The one who speaks in tongues has to submit to the one Lord that allows him to speak in tongues, but the same Lord that allows the other one to speak wisdom. He has to submit in both cases. He doesn't have a choice. The spirit is the spirit. The Lord is the Lord. If it comes from the Lord, you must submit.
0: To the point of your article about languages that you posted this week, if you are an immigrant, yes, you should make the effort to learn the language of the country you're moving to. But the people who live in that country should make every effort to learn the language of the immigrant. And too often, people become self-righteous and say, I'm not going to speak their language, or they should speak my language, or whatever it is they say, because they're doing exactly opposite of what Paul demands here, which is to only look at judgment in terms of how it impacts you in your station, and never to look at judgment as something you use against others, unless you are the one who is put in the station of conveying the word of wisdom through the Spirit, then you are required to judge downward but it is not you who
1: is judging and we hear this expressed i mean the desert fathers you have these wise elders who say hell was created just for me you aren't even allowed to say judgment is for everyone it's for me it's for me maybe there's no judgment for anyone else but only judgment for me and this is what we have to take seriously whether the immigrant learns or not is not your problem at all but if you're not then that is your problem exclusively. But one and the same
0: spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills, for even as the body is one and yet has many members, which is what we are saying, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. It all points to the importance of not creating division through self-righteousness. That's what people want in the United States. They want the church to be in
1: the image of their neighborhoods, which are no longer brotherhoods, as Dr. King said. This passage is used so much for individualism. Everyone has their own gift, their own thing to contribute. And the way this is used is to prop up one's ego. People use it to impose why you have to listen to them. But I am an individual. I have my gifts. I have what God imparted to me. Therefore, you have to listen to me. No, you've reversed it. They are a contribution to the community. Therefore, you must listen to them.
0: For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free whether fathers or children, whether male or female, whether patrician or prostitute, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Which means it doesn't matter who you are or what your station is. We can all sit down together and have a cup of tea and talk about the weather. That is what scripture is fighting for. Because I'd rather that we all sit together, patrician, prostitute, thief, and upstanding Midwesterner, I'd rather we all sit together and have tea than sit on Facebook and trash Muslims. So don't make fun of the importance of the mundane act of sitting down and having a cup of tea together. It's a serious matter in scripture.
1: And I love the poetry here of baptized into one body, drinking of one spirit. We have the water that kills us, that drowns us so that we come again in new life, but then we also have the spirit which is the drink that sustains us. The poetry here is beautiful. We have the water that Kills the old man, and we have the water that nurtures the new man. But it's the same spirit, no matter who it is in the community. You are no longer allowed to look down on anyone. So, whoever had a problem with the last chapter and talking about, oh, well, you're saying that men are then above women, this chapter, you are not allowed to look down on anyone. It doesn't mean you don't have authority but you are not allowed to look down on them.
0: For the body is not one member but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason, any the less a part of the body. This is classic anti-Platonic philosophy. Well, I think that the true foot isn't a part of the body and I imagine even though I'm a foot, I'm not a part of the body because I'm an independent foot. No, you're an idiot, according to Paul, because whatever you think, there is a reality that is there. This is pure science. He's talking biology. You want to tell me you're something when you're nothing? You want to tell me you're an individual when I see that you're attached? You have a belly button, as Father Paul used to say to us in class. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body if the whole body were an eye where would the hearing be if the whole were hearing where would the sense of smell be so not only are you not individuals you are part of the body because that is the way god ordered everything according to his will that is why once you land in your station you can't try to change your station you just accept it but he ordered things in this way so that the body would function as a whole because although the foot has an important function you're going to tell me that the foot is more important than the head? Definitely not. But does that mean that the foot is not important for the sake of the whole? Definitely
1: not. And it's also not the case that the ear is created so everyone could say, don't we all agree how important the ears are? Aren't the ears wonderful? Aren't the ears important? And everyone would say, yes, we love the ears. We the all ears. love the ears. The ears are fantastic. Should, Thank we let, you. should we let the ear teach? No, an ear can't teach. <laughs> Thank you so much, ear. We're so happy that you came here. I think this week
0: at church... To prove that we don't think anyone's better than anyone else, we should have the mouth sit down and let the ear preach. Explain to me how that's going to work. This is what I'm saying about science and scripture. Paul is saying this is how human culture works. This is what it means to be part of our species. Let me just co-opt our biology to produce something good in the short time that you have together on earth.
1: And since Paul has been forcing this point about the unity of the community, this is the thing that he is emphasizing here. If you're part of the body, you have to submit to the body. And if it's not for the body, you can't survive. They didn't have petri dishes that they could keep eyeballs in. You had to have a body if the eyeball was going to continue to live. But The eye, because of its function, can benefit the rest of the body. The body needs the eye, but the eye needs the body. And as the eye, you aren't allowed to remind the body, you guys all need me, because guess what? There's another eye. But now
0: God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. Everyone has to know their place in the food chain. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. So even though the head is more important than the feet, the head cannot throw the feet away. This is the difference between what I call individuality and individualism. Individuality, and I'm borrowing from Chesterton, pertains to the individuality assigned by God, which has extreme importance individualism is about the importance of your ego and about you being primary individualism is incompatible with the body of christ individuality is essential for the body of christ because to function as someone who embraces individuality you have to embrace god's instruction for you you have to submit in order to be an individual you have to rebel
1: this is what it means to be part of the body being part of the body is submission
0: And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, or again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable... On these we bestow more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. You cannot judge what is important because you are not the source of the spirit. The scroll is the source of the spirit. You are not in a position to say who is arrogant and who is not arrogant, or who's important and who is not important. That's why everything is consigned to household order because household order protects you from your own self-righteousness. Because it might be that the head of the community is the weakest of all of you, as in the case of Jesus and Paul. Notice how later in 1 Corinthians, Paul will present himself as the least of the apostles, which, according to this teaching, is bragging. People think, oh, poor Paul, he's the weak." No, he's telling you, I'm the most important when he says I'm the least, according to this hierarchy. And the one whom you perceive as least could be arrogant. Because even with the scandal of the Gospel, which confronts the priest with the prostitute, you can't ontologize it because there are many self-righteous prostitutes in the world. And there are many humble prostitutes who submit to God. So how can you discern? You can't. The point of presenting you with the prostitute is to undermine your self-confidence about your ability to judge the one next to you. So don't judge, just bow your head and do your thing.
1: The fact that honor is bestowed upon those who are weakest is something that's very consistent with what we have throughout the gospel. You and I talked a lot over this weekend about the problem of the secular understanding of martyrdom, that one goes and gives up his life in order to fight against the enemy bodily to try to kill the other, and if in the process ends up dying, then he is a martyr. This is a secular martyr because he dies in a show of strength. He dies in a show of self-defense. He dies in a show of aggression and therefore receives great glory and accolades. Paul undermines this by saying those who are least are the ones who get the greatest glory. This is how he then is able to fight against the secular notion, which was no different in the Roman Empire than it is in the 21st century United States, which is the one who is glorious gets all the accolades. He's saying, no, we look out for the one who is the weakest and we bestow them the
0: that's why it's sickening in the latest Superman movie that they try to compare him to Jesus when he died a glorious honorable death but God has so composed the body giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked so that there may be no division in the body but that the members may have the same care for one another this is how the vertical hierarchy becomes horizontal once everyone keeps their place under pressure from above then they are set free to care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. And if you don't believe St. Paul, go break your toe, or develop gout in your ankle, or skin your knee, and tell me how it doesn't matter because those organs are less significant.
1: That's the knees problem.
0: But at the same time, if you lose your leg, but your mind still functions, you can operate, which means that in the pecking order of the organism, there is one organ that takes precedent over another, but it doesn't neglect the importance of what you call the lesser organ because it all was created according to God's will.
1: That it's all connected.
0: Think of it this way. Yes, you can live with brain function, but without your foot. But if the foot wasn't important, why did God give you a foot in the first place? That's how Paul is talking
1: nature itself teaches us that if our foot is hurting we need to take care of our foot
0: but the foot is lucky that you have a brain that can interpret the pain we could go on and on with these right but
1: i think the fact that these examples keep going on and on shows this interdependence and this is what paul is really trying to show the community has to remain intact without one part saying i'm better than the other because once one part says it's better than the other it falls apart. That's why the body is a good metaphor because the nervous system makes everybody equal in some respects, although it all leads to the brain, which makes the head more important in other respects. So you have to keep that balance.
0: Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles. Then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. So the primary order is first Paul, then those who prophesy, kata Paul's teaching. And then third, those who explain and teach, kata Paul's teaching, then miracles and gifts of healing and so forth. So what's the prophet? The prophet is the one who brings the judgment of the apostle. What is the teacher? The teacher is the one who tries to explain the judgment. But again... Everything else goes lower on the food chain because what he's safeguarding against here is people using miracles and healings and helps and administrations and their speaking in tongues as a mechanism of self-righteousness and self-importance.
1: Father, listen to me, I'm sweeping the floor. It doesn't work that way. You cannot use your sweeping the floor to impose yourself on the one who's higher up in rank. It doesn't work that way. Who does
0: Father think he is? We clean the church, we do this, we do that. Father doesn't think he's anything. Do you want a priest who's there to clean the church? Then hire a maid service. Do you want a priest who's there to teach? Then donate money to the seminary. I mean, come on, use your brains. And I'm supposed to be so impressed when I see a priest sweeping. I'm not impressed. No, I'm not saying the priest shouldn't sweep. I'm saying it's demonic when people revel in the priest sweeping the floor. I cannot stress this enough. You are not honoring or dishonoring the priest. You are honoring or dishonoring God. God whom the priest was sent to explain to you. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? Everybody has their station. All do not have gifts of healings, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? And he's referring to the interpretation of tongues, but earnestly desire, and here's the key, just to show you that I'm not hallucinating, Richard. Earnestly desire the greater gifts, and he just put them in order of importance for you. And I show you still a more excellent
1: way. He's the apostle. Looking forward. Take care, Dr. Brunson. Thank you, Father.
0: You've just heard the Bible as literature. Thanks for listening.